Welcome again to another episode of the Pilot Podcast. I'm Jared Fournette. This is Matt Hensley. We're without uh, the Honorable Alan Murray tonight. He is living it up large in uh, North Carolina, where he uh, is in the presidential suite because he's one pastor's conference president, and he's basking in the glory of his victory. So here's my question. I'm the pastor's conference president of the SBC. Right. He's the pastor's conference president of North Carolina. Right. What pastor's conference are you going to take on? Plymouth Park Baptist Church. <laughs> good, good answer. Good answer. Yes. I have no desire to raise money or have a million people ask me to speak at a conference. Oh, man. Or... Um, oh. Or get up in a uh, an election. Uh, kudos yeah. to you guys. I mean, I think y'all are going to do a great job, obviously. But uh, better y'all than me is what I yeah. was saying. Well, speaking of better you than me, is you got the chance to go to the great AT and T Stadium today? Yeah. Throw yeah. throw some axes. Want to be very careful with how I pronounce that, which we'll talk about <laughs> in a little bit. But you're kind of hanging out with your staff, doing a little staff retreat thing. We do so. a staff retreat every year. Uh, first day is always a fun day. So today we had breakfast at Mama's Daughters, which is a great little joint down in yeah. Irving. Uh, they got a couple of them around the Metroplex. Uh, then we went toward Cowboy Stadium. We went at Pecan Lodge, a little axe throwing. Then tomorrow we'll be at the Los Colinas Country Club all day. They're giving us a room for free. And uh, we'll be uh, just planning out the year and doing some stuff uh, for our church. It's going to be a good day. Hashtag, and you, you hashtag, are in hashtag big church problems. Hashtag big church problems. Uh, and then you are in Tyler at the SBTC annual meeting, right? Yes, and more specifically, Flint, Texas. Excuse me, it is Flint, in Flint, just outside of Tyler, and uh, which you would be very proud. The first place I went when I got to Tyler was to the Brisket Love Barbecue. And we pull up and there's a big old sign on, you know, that kind of barbecue paper. I don't know what yeah. you call it. Oh, you know, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I'm talking about. That yeah. little kind of red paper mm-hmm. with a Sharpie written all over it. We're out of barbecue. Oh, my gosh. And I nearly just turned around, but we had driven all the way out to Lindell, Texas. And uh, it, we, we had committed at that point And we went in to at least see what they had. And uh, we had a burger, kind of smash burger style. Uh, uh, cheese, grilled jalapenos, bacon, and it was probably the best burger I've ever had. Better than Whataburger. Had, infinitely better than Whataburger. Wow, Whataburger is also significantly different than a, a barbecue joint to, smash that's burger. That's a lot for you to admit, though. It is. It is. Now, what does not at all hold a candle to that is this Dairy Queen Halitos burger that that i just scarfed down that i'm having to stay past my bedtime because the time changed so it's 10 o'clock but it feels like it's 3 a.m matt says 45 minutes ago i'm almost back to the hotel and we can record 45 minutes later hey i'm leaving the drive dairy queen drive-thru finally with this burger and who gets for who gets food at dairy queen i don't ever the only thing i ever get at dairy queen is ice cream i don't want to eat the food because it's not good it's not good, but but man, when you're in a hurry, it usually is. And but not tonight. No, not tonight. Not Thirty tonight. minutes later, I got my Halitos burger. But that's not what we're talking about tonight, no. because this is November. So the pastors had October. Yes, right. and then uh, who gets September? Maybe Labor people. <laughs> uh, and then 
August is usually for teachers. And then yeah. July is for like America. America. It gets that one. The SBC Southern Baptists get June. So anyway, you know, you, you have the pastors to get their, their little month. Well, it comes then to November, which is what? November is National Adoption Month, not only just for churches, but churches do recognize this, but for the whole nation. And Matt, adoption is something that is very near and dear to your family's heart and my family's heart. Uh, we have an adopted boy, Andrew, and we're in the process of adopting another child. And you have four daughters you've adopted, or as you call princesses, I believe. Yeah, uh, not anymore, man. They're we're, <laughs> we're going with like the wicked witches of the West or something now. <laughs> no, they're, they're great kids. So they they were adopted. They're four four sisters that we adopted, and I was adopted. And my biological mother and her sister were adopted, and so it kind of goes into our entire family through our entire family. And all of them were girls except for for me. So. Uh, that was something that for us, like as we were dating, uh, Rebecca and I, we had always talked about having uh, two kids and adopting uh, two kids. And, and God had some different mm-hmm. plans for, for us and ultimately led us to, to be able to adopt these four girls that when they came to us were four, five, six, and seven, and now are not. I can't remember how old they are. Uh, I think it's 10 12, 13, and 14 in February. Two teenagers? We've got, yeah. We will end up having all four as teenagers. That'll be fantastic. And, uh, and we, we were really close to having all four in high school at the same time. And if one of them doesn't. Now you get all four in college. Yeah, that'll be great. So, and you've got, what, what's your boy? Uh, Andrew. Yeah, Andrew is five. Uh, He's adopted from India. We uh, brought him home shortly before his second birthday. And Andrew has a little brother, William, who is, oh gosh, he's two and a half now. He's, he's biological to Candace and I. We actually, uh, we always tell people adoption was always plan A for us. We try, we adopted first, but um, we thought we would try about a year after bringing Andrew home to get pregnant. And uh, a month after bringing Andrew home, Candace was pregnant. And so, and they're the best of friends. And now we're adopting once it, we're adopting from India again, uh, we don't. We have not matched with a child. That's the kind of the step in the process we're at. Is we're waiting to match with a child, and once that happens, we'll know we're open to male and female, uh, either gender. Um, though I feel like uh, you know we know how to parent boys, and we've got the clothes and all that kind of stuff. So uh, a boy would be great, but we we would be happy with either gender. Uh, and so you, you know, domestic adoption for you, international adoption for us. Um, as you would say, and I would say adoption just in general, there's a great need, 150 million orphans yeah. in the world. In the United States, in every state, there are more evangelical churches than children in foster care. Uh, so obviously the need is great, but also um, the churches, uh, we have an answer to the orphan crisis. And uh, there's more means than just adopting. You can be foster care parent, you can be a respite care parent. Uh, you can support adoption, you support helping foster families reunite with their children. Uh, our church is beginning a partnership with Lifeline Children's Services called Families Matter. And what happens is Families Matter is a court-mandated course that they will take in our church for 10 weeks, parents will, in order to get their children back out of foster care. And it's great for, uh, if the parents are suitable to do that, it's great for children to be with their biological parents. Candace and I always say, in a perfect world, we would not have adopted Andrew. He would have been with his mother and father, but we don't live in a perfect world. And so that's why we stepped in and did what we did. Uh, so when it comes to adoption, Matt, 
you've pastored a church, you're leading churches now. Let's say one of your churches in your association says, hey, we want to get on board with National Adoption Month. What is something that our church can practically do to advocate for orphans? Yeah, so one is is with our with our voices and, and just sharing the need. You know, some sometimes when you share something like, you know, what you just said about the number of evangelical Christians and the number of uh, uh, orphans that we have, usually that's a stark reminder for the need to put in front of people. But right now, and this is something we talked about on, on Friday on the podcast, is when we're trying to reach out, especially during the holidays, uh, depending upon where you're at, there's local pregnancy centers or maybe foster care agencies, certainly where, where you and I are, there's plenty. And uh, where a church can adopt one of those, uh, one of the you know crisis pregnancy center and, and maybe seeing how you can help with them or with the foster care, like there's stuff that you can do right now. And then there's stuff that based on kind of what, where you are in your station in life, certainly on the foster side of things, you know, maybe somebody that's, and, and I don't even want to say this is impossible, but somebody that's like, let's just go with a number that may be close to impossible. Somebody that's 99 years old is probably not going to be able to adopt. Probably not. Most likely. And if there is, I'm so sorry, because I'm, I'm trying not to be insensitive here. Uh, but at the same time, somebody that's maybe in their 90s uh, may be able to watch a, you know, a kiddo for a weekend and yeah, let a foster fam- family go out or, or something like that. And so it's kind of like, where are you in your particular station in life and, and investing in pastors and, and leaders that can maybe speak into those areas where somebody that's, that's you know, maybe uh, 18, 19, 20 or so would be able to do, you know, babysitting for them or, or somebody that's, you know, a couple that may be able to give them a home for an extended period of time, but may not be able to adopt. Uh, that there's always a need and in the more kind of openness and willingness that you put down on the table, the more opportunities you have, you know, for, for Jared with, you know, with India, you know, if you made a stipulation that says we will only take this age and this uh, gender and whatever else, it might be a long wait. And it's kind of the same thing with adoption. If you go in there and say, Hey, I will only take, a, you know, a, a baby boy, you know, less than three months years old, you know, three, three months old, it might be a minute. Uh, but if you're willing to say, Hey, whoever needs a home, uh, you will be placed almost immediately yeah. uh, at the very least with foster. And, uh, and so, so I think it's just one of those things where you get that need in front of your people, where they can serve, who they can connect with and, and to show kind of like you and I know from seminary, like it's a big task. Going yeah. through the adoption process that y'all are doing is a big task. And looking at it from the beginning to the end, it's very daunting. And we would say, no, I can't do that. But when you look at it as one step at a time, uh, one training at a time, or one home study at a time, or one blank at a time, uh, and just chip at it little by little as possible. So Rebecca and I, when we were foster parents, uh, what we did is just we made those training nights a date night for us. Mm. And so we would go to the training, wrap it up, go to a nice meal. And, uh, and we always got something sweet. So we would kind of rotate between, we were talking about Dairy Queen a moment ago, we would get the blizzard or we'd go to one of those Froyo stops, uh, you know, or, or maybe some kind of sweet Starbucks drink or whatever. We always wrapped it up uh, with something sweet. 
And it was just kind of something we did. And, and man, at the beginning, I was like, gosh, we were never going to finish this and be approved because it just seemed like so much. Uh, but before we knew it, we were, it was over because we just is one step at a time. Yeah, that's great. I think there's a, you know, also a financial aspect to adoption. If you're doing foster care, um, the state uh, doesn't pay you necessarily. They help with some of those costs, uh, but you don't have to pay anything. But let's say you're adopting uh, domestically or internationally. I know for us, I'll just be transparent. Our adoption costs about $40,000. And there are people in our church who are in their 80s who they can't watch kids, but they've said, I've got some money. Um, so can I give you some money to help offset some of your costs? And that's one thing that you can do. Your church can, there's a great organization called Life Song for Orphans. Uh, we're going to contact them this year about our church. When we adopted the first time, we got a grant from them. Uh, a church, a partner church gave $3,000, uh, matched $3,000 from our fundraising to help offset costs. I mean, there's things like that that you could do. And I think the big thing is, is just awareness. I don't think a lot of people know how serious the orphan crisis is in the world. So anytime that you can speak to it, pray about it. So we have prayer emphasis for our church this month. Uh, anything that you could do like that, I think it's really important. And then partner with the local DHS, whatever it's called in your uh, in your county, Department of Health Services. You know, at my church in North Carolina, we offered the classes at our church. So you can get licensed at our church, and that motivated many families in our church to get licensed for foster care. Candace and I did foster care we're in North Carolina uh, because the need was just so great uh, that we had. And I think it's just a reminder to us that, you know, we're, ne- we're never more like God the Father uh, then when we love those who have nothing to give us in return. Um, and that's, that's, that's the reality of what orphan care is a lot of times. Now I will say this, uh, orphan care has uh, changed my life entirely. It's made me uh, view the world differently. And I'm th- I tell people all the time, I'm thankful for a mother in India that I will never, ever know that she chose life and allowed me to be able to, to be the father to her son and Candace, the, the mother uh, to her son. And so if we're going to be pro-life people, when we say things like from womb to tomb, this is what we mean, uh, that we've got to step up. And I earnestly believe the orphan care crisis uh, is a burden for the church because we're told in the book of James that we are to look after windows and orphans. And so I would just encourage your church, if you're not saying anything, say something. Uh, if you're not praying, also pray. Uh, it, and I challenge our church all the time. Some of you need to get licensed for foster care. Some of you need to pray about pursuing adoption. Um you just need to pray about it. And, 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 and at minimum, you need to get involved with a family who is pursuing this and lift them up, pray with them, support them. And uh, I think Matt and I both would tell you that uh, adoption is one of the greatest gifts that's happened in our lives. Absolutely. I was, I thought about being sarcastic and say, absolutely not, but no, it absolutely <laughs> is. And, uh, and our, our girls are special girls. Your both of your boys are are special boys indeed, and uh, we're blessed to have them, uh, whether they are biological or or that God yep. knitted them together in our family. And uh, it's such right. a beautiful picture of the gospel. And uh, and I just think of just the the lives that are changed ultimately by uh, you know that that simple change of a family and uh, or a different opportunity uh, for for your boys uh, or or boy in that case, my girls. And, uh, and so, you know, just my own life of what my life would have been, uh, if my grandparents hadn't adopted me and yeah. what they brought me out of. And so it's a great reminder as I look at my siblings biologically, 
uh, and and kind of see what our girls came out of and, and kind of can see what God was really doing. It's such a blessing for them, blessing for us. And, uh, and so it's a joy to be a part of. Now, with that said, we gave a little kudos to Jay Allen for being yeah. the, the second of the Potluck podcast to be named president <laughs> of a pastor's conference. We will wait for you to be, you know, president of G3 or something like that. But uh, the, no, uh, the, you know, we, we also have some state conventions that are going on. Yeah, We've talked about right. that for a while. A number of them are dealing with sex abuse in different ways and, and, you know, resolutions will come out and you know, we may do a recap of just all of them in yeah, one at some point. Uh, but, uh, but beyond that, we have a Southern culture topic and it should be probably this Dairy Queen burger that I had that well, I'm already telling it was a bad idea at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, <laughs> but instead, since you went on your little uh, staff retreat deal and yeah. did some ax throwing, I great. see it more and more and more. I don't know where it originated. I don't even know if it's really a Southern thing. It's got to be. There's no way they're giving people axes up North and letting them throw yeah. them unsupervised. Yeah, definitely not in New York. Would be so, we, we went to this place called Lone Star Axe Throwing today. And basically, the guy just shows up. He hands us a couple of axes. We have this lane, like a bowling lane. And he's like, ah, throw it like this. And if you don't hit it, it may bounce back. So make sure you're paying attention so it doesn't bounce back and hit you. And basically, there's just plywood with a, you know, like a like you're playing darts, um, a, a dart board right there. And you're you're throwing your axe. There's a couple of games that you can play. But they quite literally give you a sharpened axe. You stand back and you throw it. And uh, – it's as simple as that. It is one of the most fun things I've ever done in my entire life. So we did uh, some individual. We did some individual matches. We just we teamed up. We played a tournament. We did it for about an hour and a half, and we just had an absolute blast. We had seven of us there, and uh, I won one of the tournaments, and some of the other guys won. But it, it, it's just so that's kind of mindless fun. It is kind of funny that we get there, and he's like, "Hey, do you want the bar open? Any alcohol?" I was like, "Ah, we're on the church card, so we won't be having any alcohol today." It's got to be Southern because they're giving people whiskey and beer with sharpened axes that they're throwing. Yeah. There's no way they're doing this up north. No, no. Well, I don't know. It it seems so fun. We need to go. We should go. I, we should go. I know that I've thrown like, you know, knives, you know, before, and I never yeah. could get the pointy end to, to end out. So I don't know. We should go. I feel like. We, I we feel I'm going to be the guy that like brings it to his back and then just slams it into the middle of his back. That's no, 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 no. They, they show you how to throw it. It's, it's, it's really simple. Except for Tyler it. Armstrong is terrible at this. I'm talking about if he threw a hundred throws, he maybe hit three of them. Huh. The rest of them were terrible. Uh, it was a comic, uh, comical how bad he was at this. In so, fact, our kids director, who she's five foot one and maybe weighs 110 pounds was better than he was. So you're saying that frisbee golf is does not necessarily prepare you for access. Does not compute. No, not at all. Uh, not, not, not same motion or anything like that. So uh, I love this because every time I bring Tyler up on the Potluck podcast, it's to rip him and make yeah. fun of him. And he wants to come on and be on that podcast so bad. And he'll pop in my office and say, hey, did you just record? He's like, yeah, I'll, yeah, can we just, you know, me, Matt, uh, we'll just record an episode. Get me on there. Oh, we'll get you on, man. We're, we're going to get yeah. you on there for an interview. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's always my response. And then we, yeah. I just yeah. rip him right here. So yeah. it's if, like it's like an old pastor that I had that anytime we came up with an idea that he, the answer was no, it was always we'll take it to the father. Yeah. Oh, I, what, what did my dad always say growing up? Uh, I would ask my dad, like, hey, can we do this? 
and he would say, uh, you know, I'll think about it. Well, I'm, yeah. I know what that means. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Go ahead, forget yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, I tell my kids I'll pray about it, and then I don't. I'm sad. Oh, Jared. That's wow. almost as bad as like Santa Claus. <laughs> well, we don't do Santa Claus in our house, so. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, send us out. Yeah, well, friends, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Pilot Podcast. Hope you had your fill, had your full. Go to your annual meeting, advocate for orphans, to throw some axes at some point. Join us next time, same Baptist time, same Baptist hour, and stay Baptist, my friends.